Welcome to episode 19 of the Travelling Wellness Show. Are you one of the people who struggle to blend the monotony of your day-to-day with the burning desires that lie inside? Have you ever dreamed of being more, only to be told or shown that it just isn't possible? Well, if this sounds like you, please join the long line of people in front of you. Today's guest, however, like many others who have faced life-changing events, she chose to walk the road less travelled and literally stick the middle finger up at the very society that was trying to dictate the terms of her existence. At the park with her kids, Janet Smith appears like any other mother of three. But don't be fooled, because this chick has a few extra tricks up her sleeve. An accomplished obstacle racer, both here and abroad, Janet has started to work out what balance looks like, after living a very long time with not much of it in her life at all. Every time someone said no, Janet heard yes. When self-doubt and guilt screamed, slow down, Janet just kept running faster in the other direction. But the moral to the story is that we all have hopes and dreams, and that we are all capable of achieving them. It's ultimately about choice, personal determination, and the love and support of those around us. As a semi-finalist in this year's Australian Ninja Warrior, Janet has decided to keep playing a bigger game. You can support Janet's amazing journey through her Facebook or Instagram profile, Janet Ann Smith, and by viewing the semi-finals of Australian Ninja Warrior that Janet appears in this weekend. It's time to get motivated. Please enjoy, guys. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, welcome guys to the Travelling Wellness Show. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSE Supplements. I'd like to thank you all again for having me in your lives as I travel this beautiful country that we call Australia with my wife and my crazy three children and seek to essentially help you guys to reconnect back to yourselves through the process of connecting with others. I consider myself extremely honoured and pleased and proud and all that cool stuff to be connected with some really awesome people who have been extremely happy and willing to share the most intimate parts of themselves all in the process that allows us to essentially learn together which I think is the uh, the whole purpose of our human existence here which is uh, really really nice. Now today's guest is not really any different than the most. Um, She's on the surface an extremely good athlete. Um, She competes uh, both here in Australia and internationally as an obstacle racer. Um, But the part about Janet's story that enthuses me and the reason why I've got her here on the show today is because she's very normal. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. You're normal, Janet. It's pretty cool, isn't it? But uh, she's a 37-year-old mother of three. And like any one of you mums out there listening or even dads or people that understand the role of parenthood, Janet goes through the normal throes of trying to balance her you know, work, life and also her training regime in an effort to keep every bastard happy, which <laughs> sometimes can be hard. But it's funny though, guys, I came across Janet in uh, Coles down here in Margaret River uh, last week and uh, I spoke to Janet about the possibility of doing this podcast because I knew so many of you would uh, really be entertained by her story, but more than anything, really get a lot from it. 
and uh, Janet uh, wondered what people would like to hear from her. So <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know, uh, Janet, so many of you guys that have done so much uh, often don't look at it as a major achievement. But, uh, you know, welcome to the show. It's been spectacular, I think, what you've achieved. Um, tell us about life as a uh, Spartan warrior, as it, as it is in part, but uh, tell us about life as an obstacle racer. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Um... Pleasure. Yeah, I was a bit... And thanks for having me in your gym too. We're actually totally. sitting, guys, in Janet's gym right now. She runs a cool gym here uh, in Margaret River called Motion where she uh, seeks to take locals through some nasty training protocols <laughs> <laughs> in the effort that one day they might be a quarter as good as her. But uh, I didn't tell you this, Janet. I was in here um, training uh, yesterday morning and uh, Janet's been kind, guys, to leave me her keys here so we could uh, Michelle and I could come and train while we're in the area. And um, yesterday I saw a, a lady sticky beaking in the door and uh, I walked over to the door and it was your lovely mother who uh, who, who pretty much who pretty <laughs> much you. Yeah, pretty much poked me with a broom. Um, she was uh, interested to know what you know people were doing in the facility. She's out the front sweeping, and uh, I tell you what, I had to really talk my way into the joint. I tell you, she told me though she saw my car here the last three days in a row. And uh, I was going to tell her that uh, robbers don't normally come back three days in a row, but <laughs> I didn't want to get beat up. Oh, my mum's a local Esme Watson, so God well done for her. getting through her. God <laughs> love the old country practice, good old days. Yeah, so um, tell us, what got you into obstacle racing? Um, been doing it for about four years now, and probably Matt Murphy is the reason why I entered the sport. Um, although I didn't see it as a sport back then, and I, you know, I didn't know what the obstacle course racing league was or anything like that so to me it was just was a ball of fun an extension to um trail running essentially and you're 33 at the time you pick it up yeah and um, most of us are uh, handing our hanging our boots up at that time oh and most people wanted me to i guess and that's when i was just finding my stride um tell me what you mean by that i got the opportunity um to go on search for hurt which Matt was the deliverer of much pain. Which is an Australian TV show, guys, which basically yeah, takes people around and brutalises them across various sports, right? Totally. We weren't, we weren't told what we were going to do when we were selected for Hurt Camp. It was 12 athletes selected from around the country, and I was lucky enough to be one of them. And that experience has just opened up opportunity after opportunity. After that, Matt suggested I should, you know, him being number one um, male obstacle course racer at the time, suggested I should get into the sport, give it a try. I What, what season was that you were on, Search for Hurt? Because there's been like four seasons or something of memory. Season two. Yeah, season I me- two, yeah. I, mem- I remember that. And so I- it came about when he, he got injured after season one, really, and he they wanted to carry on the on the series, and so they came up with the idea of having – other athletes, a male and a female, to go through the hurt for him, basically. Yeah, nasty. And, and you yeah. put your hand up, you silly bugger. Well, I didn't know what I was up for <laughs> when we applied for it. So, And I'd, I did the application expecting not even to hear back. And when, when I really thought about it deeply and thought, well, these guys have chosen me, one of 12, from all these applicants around the country. I was like, what did they see in me? Mm. Oh, I must have something. And it just ignited a little fire in my belly, I guess, that awesome. I Good. knew had been just simmering there for many, many years, you know, through 
having kids and all that sort of mm. stuff. It just sat there simmering. So you have three kids. How old are they? Um, nearly 11, 9 and 6. So three girls. So it's effectively put your life on hold, though, for 12 years on yeah. some level when you look at it from a sporting perspective, right? Yeah, totally, mm. totally. So the little fire was simmering there. It was just sitting beneath the surface. Have you ever done anything sort of um, big in sport before? Or were you an active kid when you were young? Or When I was young, you know, I've grown up in Margaret River, which is a small country town, so... I've grown up here and I was just one of those kids that loved all things sport. You played everything. You know, a typical Saturday for me in the winter would be junior hockey, run across the netball courts, play junior netball, run back across, play senior hockey, run back across the netball courts, play senior netball. So you'd play four (laughs) games of sport on a Saturday afternoon. You know, and so you played everything from tennis to basketball, athletics, Small community, you just do everything. So I mastered at none, but loved everything. And, yeah, I, I don't know why I never chose to, to specialise in anything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something like Search for Hurt, it must have been pretty easy, really. You're cracking out a Search for Hurt every Saturday down here in Margs. <laughs> well, it didn't hurt that much back then, you know. You think you're, you're 14, 15, 16. Yeah. You, you think you're invincible, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Um, it was just what what you did in the country. So tell us about the show. Um, I don't know whether a lot of people have seen it. The show featured on ESPN. People can look it up on uh, YouTube and the like. Yep. All those episodes are on there. As a matter of fact, I'll put a link to uh, episode two so you guys can see Janet as a 33-year-old mother of three at the time challenging herself. But was Paps on that show as well? Yeah, so Paps, Paps and Leah went on to yep. be the two athletes chosen to... Yeah, yeah. Get put through more torture for yeah. another four, five, six months. Yeah. That is nasty. It was. So what were the opportunities that opened up for you after the show? People started to take you serious, obviously, despite the fact you were, you know, um, I don't want to say the word middle-aged because I won't say that, but, you know, a mother of three. <laughs> I don't think people started to take me serious. I think I started to take myself mm. not serious, but I, it, like I said, that, that flame that sat inside got reignited and... It gave me a little bit of um, self-approval, I guess. You know, you actually, you are capable of doing bigger and better things and mm. why not And was it? that something that, that um, <clears throat> I don't quite know how to phrase this because I personally don't think there's anything um, more amazing than, you know, the, the bringing of three humans into the world. But I do understand that with, um, with motherhood comes a great level of personal suppression in some ways. Um, was there that feeling that you had underneath that you had kind of suppressed your own needs and wants and now it was my time? Definitely, 100%. That's the only way you could word it. I'm glad um, I jagged that one then. <laughs> you totally jagged it. I, I did. I had this feeling of I've put my life on hold for 10 plus years and yeah, in that time I still dabbled in local team sports, you know, still played with my local hockey team and netball team and, yep. you know, it was coming out getting fairest and best and all those sorts of accolades and so still excelling on that that local level mm. um to, so to go next level um that's that's when I just kept I, oh it was like this hunger I just wanted to more like throw more at me mm. that's that's Very what different I wanted too than uh, team sport right playing netball there's you know twelve yeah. or whatever people on the court at one time so it's, it's a whole different thing how did you go moving into this process of it being all about you it was tough in the fact that all of a sudden I felt I was being really selfish 
because it then became about me and my my personal results. Not I wasn't accountable to a team. Um, it so it took the the guilt that I felt for putting the time into training and competing. It it just took that next level because mm. all of a sudden it was it was just me. This, this is mother guilt you this, speak of. Yeah, yeah, this is 100% mother guilt. Mm. So this is something that our listeners, um, and look, even men would understand, um, the the life of a mum. Uh, I know that every, anyone listening who is a mum would certainly get it, but is that guilt, is that a real thing? Do you think, that, is that something that is placed upon us from societal expectations and kids' expectations and husbands and the like, or is it something that, you just take on yourself as a mum as a need to, you know, be the best at the role? I think it is a real thing. It's people can tell you, you know, you can get over those feelings. Um, it's all, all about what's in your own head and what you tell yourself. But there's still this strong feeling that you get from things like society pressures, um, family this is your role, you're, you're a mother and this is your prime role mm. and that should be your primary concern. Mm. And it's the best thing that will ever happen and to you and it will complete you in all ways. 100%. Mm. And you know, I love being a mum, of course I do, and my kids are my 100% priority. But it's still, I still felt that flame still flickering away. I felt like for me to be a better mum... I needed to look after myself, look after my dreams, my goals. And why should I give it all up? Has it made you a better mum? Yeah, yeah. Yep. In what and ways? It, I think, especially as a mum of three girls, um, I, I want to play that role model yep. to them. I I want them to see and experience what fit, healthy and strong is mm. uh, especially in today with social media and we're bombarded with all these beautiful blonde bombshells you know tiny little girls bouncing around you know got this exercise program got that exercise program yeah uh, is that the f- the picture of fitness i want to see my girls grow up with mm. no nah. or is it real too is the question yeah, you've got to ask that's it is it real so that as they've grown with me they become a huge part of my training and as we sit here in my gym yep. we can you can see all the stuff that they get to play on it's pretty epic my kids have been in here sitting down while we've been uh, training we scream at them every five minutes but at the end we bring them in for five minutes yep. let them roll around here on your mats let them have a play on the rings and stuff it's just pure joy isn't it like it just brings something out in children and like they're making noise like seriously like i can't even tell you <laughs> how much noise they make i'm sure yours are the same but it's beautiful to witness it really is it is and and that's why i've you know to this point i i just keep going because they are in here and they're they're dancing around making um routines up while i'm sitting on a bike getting a cardio session in because it's pouring with rain or something outside and Mm. you know it's it's stormy and they're happy to be in here making up their own little dance routines Mm. or swinging off rings pretending they're the best acrobats in the world so um yeah, I wouldn't change that for the world because they just think this is normal now. Yes. Um, it's a part of their life and 
uh, I see them out um, in other situations when they're with friends or doing other activities and I just see how their strength and their good health has made them um, better little humans already, Mm. which is the aim of the game. That's awesome. And does all this correlate to a down-regulation in your own guilt? In my own mind, yes, but I'm still not quite sure if that feeling I get or, you know, you're always scared of being judged by people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have this huge feeling that I get judged for, I'm a Nazi mum, you know, oh, do you make your kids do this and blah, blah, blah. Um, you're talking school drop-off type stuff, yeah? Yeah, you feel like huge school mum pressure. You know, I'm not a regular school mum. Nothing against whatever a regular school mum is. You know, that's a pretty broad term, isn't it? Um, No stereotyping there. But, (laughs) you know, for the sake of stereotyping, I'm not a regular school mum. Never have wanted to be. And um, I'm glad I'm not following in what society perceives a mum should be doing. Yeah. Um, I think we need to break away from that just for the future of my, not only my daughters, but, you know, the, all the kids out oh, there. Don't we? Yeah. Hooray. Absolutely. Yeah. So give us a bit of an idea of what a normal day looks like then for someone who has to balance training with, you know, housework <laughs> and sandwiches and pickups and drop-offs. What, what's it look like? How do you fit it all in? A uh, normal day for me would generally start... Anywhere between four thirty, five o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning, AM yep. that is. Yep. Off to work. You don't like sleep? Mm, not a good sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to fix that. <laughs> Can you please? <laughs> um, uh, so work, I will generally teach a 6am class. So whether that's um, boot camp down at the beach or in here at the studio. Yeah. Are you participating in that or is that your actual you know, paid role? That's me as just an instructor. Yep. Yeah. So just watching at yep. this point. Pointing yep. the finger, putting everyone through a Hell. bit of morning torture. <laughs> so we wrap up around about seven. It's quick pack up and whip home. Sandwiches, lunch boxes, water bottles, get everyone ready for school. Yep. Tell them to brush their teeth ten times. Yep. Glad get we your have shoes. That same conversation. But I'm ready, mum. No, you're not. not. (laughs) (laughs) Ten minutes later, they're still grabbing all their stuff. Um, So, yeah, it's leave work. You go home for the hour or so and and do all the the school mum stuff. Mm -hmm. Drop the kids to school. Run inside. Do your reading. Do your puzzle or whatever with my youngest. Jump in the car and back here at the studio for a 9am session. Wow. So, you are fortunate though, right, to have a job where bit here, bit there. You kind of fit your own training, I'd imagine, between clients most of the time, yeah? Yeah. So I've I've always run my business around my lifestyle most of the time. At times I haven't. You know, you get railroaded sometimes and people always ask, can you do this, can you do that? And I'm generally a big people pleaser, so we'll always say yes. Mm. Learned to say no over the years, but in the beginning when I first opened up this studio, you know, I overcommitted myself, definitely. Mm. Um, but generally, I run my business to suit my lifestyle. 
um, with the kids. That's a choice you've always made. Like you've actively yep. sought work as an employer rather than an employee. So you yeah. get caught in that nine to five yep. arrangement. And being able to take the days off school, um, off work if you need to see your kids at sports days or excursions. Yeah, all the and, cool stuff. Um, assemblies, all, all that stuff that you would otherwise miss out on if you had a general nine to five job. Mm. So that's why I really love working for myself. It gives me that freedom. It gives me that flexibility. Mm. Um, How so do you find it is for the other mums? Okay. Cause I know you're not one of them and I know you've made decisions in your life, you know, good for you that have put you in a position where uh, that juggle isn't as significant. What happens though for the other women out there, um, our listeners and uh, a lot of these women you're flogging in the morning at half past four in the morning, is that what it comes down to for these people with the nine to fives, that it has to become like a half-ass four or a you know, half-ass five at night type arrangement to fit it all in? Yeah. Are they taking, are they taking the easy road? You know, are they doing what they love, whether it be work or otherwise? Yep. Are they choosing just to be part of the grind day in, day out. Mm. Um, I don't want to be part of that grind. And a lot of people do take the easy road. Um, and is that fear-driven from people wanting to just do the easy school mum? Oh, hubby will go off to work, earn the bucks. I'll just, you know, work at two, three days a week, school hours, in something that they might not necessarily really love to do. Mm. Um because what I do certainly isn't easy. A lot of people perceive it as being easy because, oh, you get to do your own hours and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's hard work putting your energies into everyone else yep. um, all the time. You essentially become a counsellor mm. some sessions. Um, so that's a lot of mental mental stuff that goes on. It's very draining. Early mornings are tough. As you just said, I don't sleep very well. Mm. Um and often come the end of the day, I'm playing catch-up, you know, doing folding the washing, doing the dishes, cleaning up the kitchen, whatever Juggling. it is, throwing the fifth load of washing in the dryer, um, doing the big juggle. So it's not easy what I do. Um, Sounds like it's a lot about organisation in part. Hugely, hugely. And uh, I went through a stage of just feeling under the pump because I was always thinking about the next day mm. and and when I started to feel like that I really lost what was happening in the here and now yep. and I was planning for tomorrow and I hadn't even finished today I was at 9am on today and here I am already planning out tomorrow and I have to catch myself when I start living like that. Yep. It's, yeah, it just wasn't because I wasn't present for not only myself, but my kids. Um, and then I found myself saying no to impromptu things because it would put me behind on stuff that I had to get done. Just, mm. just shit that you just have to get done. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, well, if I do that, I'm going to get behind on that. And then tomorrow I'll be out of whack and... So I've learnt now not to do that, which is good. I don't know how I I did it. I just 
I'm How did you unlearn that? Because you're effectively talking about the fact that you were always uh, 10 steps ahead of yourself, yep. getting yourself control in that freak. position. Control where, freak. Exactly right. Fear-based sort of living, um, no mindfulness whatsoever, never really being um, you know, present at any one time. So you made a big call there and said, well, I just, I just changed it. What did you do? What were the steps that had to go in place for, you know, in order for you to put that into action? I realized all the things that I was worrying about getting done actually weren't really important. Um, and I started just putting things into perspective. And each day I would just let something slide and a little bit of anxiety would build, but then I controlled <laughs> it. You know, so it was just step by step, you know, because it was, it was the anxiety of, oh my God, I'm going to have so much more to do tomorrow if I yep. didn't get this done today. Yep. So self-taught by just, ignoring the dishes or ignoring the washing basket. How did that go down with hubby and the kids and everyone? Well, it brought a whole nother level of guilt because then I thought I was failing in the the housewife duty. Mm. So um, here lies another problem. Um, And when you spend so many years, I guess, showing that you've got it all together all the time, everything's done, hubby would come home from work, you know, everything's organised – when you actually start letting go of that stuff and you feel like you feel like you're failing in that role um, the the comments were there from hubby to start you know like what have you been doing all day that sort of stuff <laughs> but we worked through that um, and and as I let go it just made him step up so much more and I realized my gosh I've been trying to do this all the time and he he stepped up, which was good. How did he step up? What did he do? He just started doing it. And I think as I left things that weren't important, he just went, oh, well, I can do that. Yeah. And just did it. But I probably could have done this five years ago. But I'd always, you know, because I saw it as my perceived role to do it as the woman of the house, as the mother, as the wife, I just did it and I accepted that. Um, but it was making you miserable it was making, and making life yeah, difficult and putting pressure on you and guilt and shame and all that stuff that yeah, we're trying to move away from. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's funny. Um, here I am living on the road. As you know, I live in a caravan park yeah. most of the time and you know, tr- cruising, I'll have this great time and it's awesome. But it's funny, uh, I will say from the get-go, um, I'm, I'm extremely well trained. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 my wife's got a big right boot and uh, she knows where to firmly plant it. And, uh, you know, we, we have roles. I think roles are important um, within families, but uh, I do as much of the care taking with children as she does. Um, when I work, obviously she, she care takes. Uh, when she cooks, I wash up and vice versa. And it's just, it's always been um, this process. And Michelle and I have always had an agreement Um, particularly since children, and that agreement was a very simple one, and it was no one rests until the work's done. Yeah. Okay, and I want to bring that up for everyone now because, and this isn't to give blokes a hard time, but um, you've just brought up something for me that is so deeply ingrained in women, and it's this deep underlying subconscious guilt that runs through women from generation from generation to generation and I tell you the 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 issue that I have with it is not so much that 
there's the role attachment. It's the fact that women these days are trying to break away from it by doing more and having more, i.e. careers and, you know, things like, you know, um, obstacle racing, crew, <laughs> you know, and all the rest that you like to do, which I think is awesome, but they're trying to still do everything at home. And this is a real problem I find from a gender equality position because if there's ever going to be true equality, mm. there needs to be both, you know, true amount of input from both sides, you know. And look, I get it. I know your, your hubby's a, a tradie and tradies work their ass off and they come home and they're fucked from putting up, you know, sheets all day or roofs or whatever they've done. I get it. And uh, there's a part of me that really loves old tradition because I think that life was much simpler when the woman didn't work and just stayed home and looked after the home and the bloke did work and whatever wage he earned was enough. I believe wholeheartedly that was a better time. However, um, being a feminist and being all for women and women's progression in the world, um, I love what you've just said because you know, it's about taking your own power back. It's about being able to, I guess, challenge tra tradition and challenge that traditional role um, for want of a better term. But I'm so proud of your husband for stepping up. I really am. Because you know what? I, I haven't had this talk with you before. This is just a straight, you know, while record buttons pushed firmly but I think that's a really really cool thing and a lot of the families and the partners that I see these days particularly in clinic who are doing really well are those that are willing to meet on that level you know yeah um and challenge that societal expectation and I've got three kids I know it's hard it really mm. is hard you know Michelle and I balance everything perfectly with two I mean at the third come along it was like right babe we're gonna take roles like so we just got to get shit done do you yeah, know what that I mean third one just just puts you over the line, absolutely, yeah, you know, but really I, I, I think, you know, and, and in the early days when you're breastfeeding and things, obviously hubby can't really, you know, be involved in that if you're breastfeeding and um, he does have to go and, you know, put food on the table and I think we have to be realistic of that role, but I just wanted to bring up uh, the fact that I'm proud of the fact that he made that shift and that you made that shift and that, you know, male-female dynamic was capable of altering because I find a lot of the places where women carry this shame and that guilt is when that dynamic shift doesn't take place. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, I know I've gone very, very heavy. <laughs> I just want to talk about running in the bush, but um, that's a very interesting part because I've just heard shame, 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 shame through everything you've spoken about, mm. you know, and the time when the shame started to drop was a time when you realised that you weren't being present in the moment, you know, and I know mindfulness is this awesome, great big wanky term these days, but essentially you had none. And what it took for you in order to get it, in order to have that life you wanted and be able to literally have your cake and eat it too, was the coming together in the union of your marriage. Yeah, and just letting go. Letting go and hoping to God that he'll just get it and and pick up and we'll run as a smooth team. Yeah. Because you, you, know, you had those underlying feelings of, well, I feel like I'm going 24-7. He's finished work at 4, 5 o'clock, sit on the couch, and I'm essentially still working. So, yes. you know, you start to Where's build up all this, all this anger, fire yeah, in, your, in your belly. And it's just like, oh, don't you get it? Mm. And But when you start moulding that team, and as the kids have got older, bringing them into the game and giving them more more roles to do as well and take yep. on the responsibility, um, you know, make them earn their iPad time or anything like that through mm. household roles. So, you know, as we've grown, we've really tried to put it in the family that we are a team. 
um, and we have to work together. And if you want everyone to be happy, we've all got to do do the shit together. Absolutely. It's it's got to get done. It's the boring stuff, but it's got to get done. Mm. And and it's not fun if one person is is standing there for an extra hour while the others are sitting on the couch having, you know, a great old time watching TV or um, stuff like that. Um, that's the stuff I want to do with my kids. I don't want to be in the laundry want, or in the You don't kitchen. want to be involved in the drudgery yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, and it doesn't happen like that all the time. You know, it's we still have lapses, definitely. Yeah. Um, but that's when I have to be strong and stand up for myself and say, "Hey, you know, come on, we're falling off the wagon, and and we've got to get back." Mm. Um, because it's easy to slot back into those age-old habits, yep. and and you, we don't want to do that. Because how many people out off. there do you believe? I'm just using you as a figurehead at the moment, but how many people out there do you believe um, live these lives that are left unchallenged? Because that's what I see. Ninety oh, percent. Yep. If not more. There's Very little self-critique is what I'm talking about. And I think the family dynamic is even more interesting because when you start to bring in more people, everyone's got their own free will, everyone's got their own needs, everyone's got that, that, their own level of, you know, um, of selfish requirements. And I think that the, the more of these personalities introduced <laughs> into a household, well, the stronger the likelihood is that, you know, this obviously needs, this is going to come up and at some point it needs to be examined. Uh, I sort of look at a family unit as something that requires that level of self-examination. And what you've just discussed for me is, you know, that in, in its entirety. Uh, I talk to a lot of my patients, particularly my female patients, about the fact that, you know, a, a, a household has to be somewhere that is conducive to everyone's safety and pleasure, you know? It has to be a place of zen as well, doesn't it? Well, to, to a point, for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, you don't want to walk into your house and, and just see all this work that you have to do. Um, it's, that's no fun. Yep. How many hours training are you doing per day? What are you fitting in for yourself? So we've just gone through your day in part. You're getting up at crack of dawn. You're down there you know, flogging people on the beach or in here. You go home. You do the motherly roles of getting people ready while hubby's already ducked off in the truck to go to work. And then it's a case of back down here for a 9 a.m. class. When do you train? How much are you fitting in? And how many days a week are you training? So now the kids are all full-time school. Uh, I train school hours. Yep most of the time and that was hard to learn because I was just a huge morning person I loved to exercise mostly running I loved to run first thing in the morning Mm. so to train yourself all of a sudden to have to run around lunchtime by the time you finished with your clients yeah that was a huge mental thing to jump and then I had this thing going in my head well now I'm out here running but I should be thinking about dinner. I should be going to the supermarketing stuff ready for dinner. Otherwise, I'm going to be behind the eight ball there. And so it just so felt like So is this like creating day... more guilt or is this creating just more stress of just having to get it all done? Probably more stress of trying to get it all done. Yeah. Get it all done when you know you're child-free because... Slow cooker, love. <laughs> Thermomix or something. Well, there's the organisation, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you're organised... No, it's it's no worries. And most of the time I am, um, which is great. But sometimes it doesn't work out 
out like that. So trying to get so, your training done before the three o'clock. I want to ask what happens. Sorry to interrupt. This is the way my mind works. I want to know what happens when you're not organised, okay? Because I want to make this sort of um, relatable to our audience. For most people, when they're not organised, it becomes either, you know, toasted sandwiches or takeaway, okay? So what does an athlete do when lack of organisation presents? Well, myself, I I miss out. So often I will, I will miss my training session okay, to make so sure the food comes I have... First to make sure I have done my duties <laughs> as a mother. I'm just going to say slow cooker wife. again. I'm, yeah. going to, I'm going to keep saying it. Seriously, put your I shit know. in the slow cooker, put it on 10 hours, don't have to worry about it then. It's too easy. True, true. But then you're entertaining for five different tastes in a household. Yeah. Now, there lies a challenge, doesn't it? Absolutely. When you've got three kids that like to eat totally different food. So mm. at times I felt like I was having to cook five different meals or five variants of different meals. Yep. So there lies my problem with mostly my two youngest. They're, they're very fussy eaters. Mm-hmm. So trying to make, again, make everyone happy. Yep. Um, and most of the time I would miss out. I would be last on the list as usual, yes. like most mums, yeah. last on the list. And <laughs> There's no point whinging about it, is there? <laughs> Just it's reality for you, <laughs> it, poor mums. It is reality. And then, but that was me being... I just want, you know, obviously I want my kids to eat well and all that sort of stuff. But then I had to tell myself, hey, Janet, it's okay if you make a quick pizza at home or mm. you have eggs on toast or something. Yeah, you know. Course. So it was just me letting go of that control a little bit. I find the stress of food is worse than the reality of the food itself yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, and I tell my entire patient base, you know, they get themselves so worked up and stressed about what, what will it be. And it's like, you know what, it won't always be perfect. Um, but, you know, it can be, you know, better rather than best, if that makes yeah. sense. Can I ask you, how has your role as athlete been um, um, taken within the household? How's hubby seen your role as an athlete? How have kids seen your role as an athlete? Because obviously things change, right? Like you were at one point just that pregnant woman that gave birth and lactated people for years, you know? <laughs> so at the point when at 33, you're like, you know what, fuck this, I want to take you know, my life back and have something for me. Um, how was that um, for the family? It's funny, even the word athlete still throws me. Um, I've... I still All don't. Right, I'll say shit I, hot obstacle racer who don't wins. Take that word to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's gone down like a lead balloon, basically. To be quite honest. Is that right? Okay. Um, Tell us more. Like you said, I'm I'm a middle aged mum of three. So in my family's eyes, it was like, why are you bothering? Yeah. Um, why are you bothering at your age was always a big one or and still is a big one. Yep. Um, what do you have to prove is another big one. Jeez, those medals must be a big fuck <laughs> you to everyone, I tell you. <laughs> Generally, that's a feeling on the start line, Shannon. Um, I'll show you. I deserve to be here. Is that right? Um, so that's a big – that has been a big driver. Um, wow. So that there's a positive coming from a, a big negative there. Um, it's it, – is it positive though? If it's something that you know your role in the home has been has gone down like a lead balloon, how positive can a win be? Yeah, um, 
it's, you it's know, like I, I, I'll just give you. I'm just going to throw it out there for our audience. I know you uh, you told me that when you're in the states, and you know, obviously it's a massive, massive event over there in in uh, Vermont. I think it is yep. Vermont, yeah. And um, you did really, really well. And you know, you ring up home, and the kids ask you, you know, like when are you coming home. It's the first question. Do you know what I mean? Not like, oh, good on your mum. How'd you do? It's like, mum, when are you coming home? Yeah. Like how that's that, that's true. Um, how does that affect your heart? Obviously, oh. you want them to be proud of you, right? Tears. That, that was instant tears, um, fueled by all of the guilt that flooded through my body, you know, all the, the adrenaline from this huge race I had just done just left me and guilt took over. And that came about purely because of the kids were obviously picking up on on the negative talk that stemmed around um, my training, my racing and and the likes. Personally I didn't I didn't get it. I was trying to work out why why are you feeling like this towards me, you know, mm. referring to my family because everyone's still still getting fed, still getting watered, you know, I would go away and compete and yep. you would bust your butt for the days preceding to make sure that all these meals are cooked. We're done. So you actually you know? had pre-prepared I and pre-prepared frozen meals and everything, you know. Yeah. You, so as, as a mum, you try and make everything as easy as possible. Gee, you must be a good cook if they want to know when the next <laughs> meal's coming. <laughs> no, my hubby's just a terrible cook. There you uh, go. <laughs> there you go. So you, you're working your bum off to make sure everyone's happy so you can f- go off and do what you want to do without the guilt attached to it. Mm. But then when you still get those negative comments thrown at you, um, it doesn't make you feel good mm. at all. And the kids have grown up now. You know, they, this was a few years ago. So now the kids have grown up and, and see the, the goodness in it a lot more. They're, they're able to make their own opinion judgment. and yeah. judgment on the situation a lot better. Yep. Um, and, and they think it's pretty cool. So 2013, 2014 were extremely good years for you. A lot of uh, a lot of good wins and awesome results. Um, you know, we can get into that if that's the way the conversation goes. But what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is just fast forward to 2015 because it all starts to come down. Tell us what happened. Yeah, I think you know I had a huge year 2014, which was you know essentially the f- the first year I'd done it, and it got to the end of that year and. My family was like, well, is that it? You know, you've done it. Is that it? End of season. Is it out of your system? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly right. Is it out of your system? And so I was was giving it all up. It's just getting in there, baby. (laughs) Just starting to crack on. It it was deep inside. It was just starting to to fire up. But I saw that it was having a little bit of a, a negative in- impact on the family. So I was ready to give it up. And, and I did. I, I called her. I said, that's it. And then all of a sudden I found myself on antidepressants at the end of 2014. Wow. And it, I, I didn't feel any better, obviously, because I was fighting these antidepressants. And I went back and saw another doctor and he just went, Janet, what are you doing? You're choosing to medicate yourself over something that you love to do what are you doing and it's those exact words you know you're choosing to medicate yourself 
And I'm like, that's exactly right. There is a choice there. And I, it came to the season opener in 2015 of the Spartan races. And five days before, I just went, stuff it. I'm going. Book to fly five days before (laughs) on a summer of no training because remember I was giving it up I was quitting that was it me done got it out of my system and uh you know I podium again that wasn't your truth was it you take it you'd taken on the truth of others yeah in in an an effort to I guess you know keep people happy but it wasn't your truth it wasn't my truth no and because that flame was still inside me I still had more to give not only to myself but to other people um, and I needed to follow that. So I did, I, you know, did a few more races, 2015, and then my health went rock bottom. Um, I ended up in hospital. Um, they thought I had meningitis and I was rushed through to... So you had a big bloody headache, yeah? <laughs> yeah, huge headache. It was, I've never, never had anything like it. I was terrible and I went down pretty quick as well. And I found myself in the, um the bigger regional hospital here and lumbar puncture, the works. Oh, no no men- meningitis, which was good, but um, I had a kidney infection and was in hospital for a week. And that point, it was thrown at me again. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, why are you, why are you putting your body through this? Why do you continue to push yourself? You're doing too much. You're working too hard. Blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, all the negative stuff. So again, I was quitting. That was it. That was me done because I was, I was putting it in the too hard basket. But really all I wanted was everyone to support me and go, this is really cool what you're doing. We see where your passion lies. We'll support you. Not only on a, a physical sense, but just that emotional sense, you know, getting them to connect with why I was doing it. Mm. I just felt like um, my family didn't have that connection with my why, why I was doing it mm. um, because they were constantly throwing at me. How it affects them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, what, what they were missing out on or, and that sort of stuff. Um, I'd like to ask though, what were they missing out on? Well, you know, essentially you're nothing. There, you're training in the middle of the day while hubby's at work and the kids are at school. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I I guess it was probably they were getting a little bit of the cranky Janet. Okay. Because the cranky Janet would play out because she was just fighting so hard for that that support. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, not on the physical sense, but just just to get it. I just wanted them to get it and not what be negative. What did support mean to you? What was it you were looking for? Um support you want them to be proud of you is what I'm hearing yeah yeah yeah. that's it I just wanted them to be proud of me and say that they were proud of me and show show it Mm. you know I I never got it I guess um you know and my hubby once said to me he goes well but but you always win we're used to it that's how you've always been wow and I'm like well yeah that's on a you know a local level I guess but when I started doing OCR obstacle course racing on the national level, I was like, well, this is kind of a little bit bigger, you know, and, and I just wanted that. I didn't want anyone to to toot my horn or anything like that. I just wanted them to just say they were proud of me mm. and that's pretty pretty cool what you're doing. 
and I didn't get that. Are you um, proud of you? Yeah, I am now. I, I'm proud that I've persevered with it because I look back and I think, wow, I could have given up so many times and I'm proud that I haven't. I'm proud I've fought the fight with it. Yes. For my girls' sake, you know, and and to see see them now that they get it like oh mum you won like you're the best in Australia and again I don't want them to toot my horn or anything but I just want them to understand the hard work is is for a reason and paying off mm. yeah there's always sacrifice isn't there yeah. you know always sacrifice there is it's sacrifice. just the opportunity cost of life you know I know it's an economic term but um, you know if someone gives you 50 bucks and you buy a shirt you can't get a skirt as well do you know it's uh, that straight opportunity cost of one thing to another but it sounds to me that you're doing a relatively good job of balancing things to be honest with you do you know um, which is pretty cool on the surface yeah a lot of the time, you Ooh. know, and often, often, you know, the old analogy of the duck sitting on the nice, calm pond looks yeah. beautiful on the yeah. top, but the underneath the legs are going hour. so fast underneath. So sometimes I feel like that um, when the balance gets thrown. So what's your, but, body, what's your body trying to tell you, Janet? Um, what can you take <laughs> from this? There's always an opportunity, right? So what can you take from this? Uh, I need to, I need to slow down. I need to slow down with the trying to make everyone happy, I guess. Um, I need to make sure my, my needs are met to a certain point and find that compromise. Yep. You're and also then, not responsible for everyone else's happiness. I think that's the other part. You know, it's yeah. uh, we take a, the weight of our world on our shoulders, particularly you mums. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of people tend to externalise their pain and externalise their needs to someone else. Yeah. You know, um, seems you've worn a little bit of that. You know, and at the end yeah. of the day, I think, and it's easier when the kids grow up, of course, because you know they're a bit older, a bit ugly, you can look after themselves a bit more. And it does take that pressure off. But, you know, um, I just want to say to you and to all our listeners that no one person is responsible for the happiness of all those around them. Yeah, that's you know? right. And a lot of the time, other people need to actually have a good look at themselves. And once again, a life, you know, less analysed is uh, once you know, not a real good life at all. Mm. So that critical analysis is very, very important. And I don't think it's fair that that analysis gets put onto just one component of any family or team or, you know, group of people. Um, you know, where, where to from here for you, Janet? What's the, what's the goal? So you're going to start to slow it all down a little bit. You're going to have less expectation of yourself. What's the... Yeah, I think, you know, slowing down is probably maybe not the right word for no, it. Metaphorically. Maybe f- fun. Like More fun. Everything I've ever done, you know, sporting-wise, I've done it because of, for, for the fun, yeah. you know. Um, I started training with a competitive netball side when I was younger, and yeah, I was okay at netball, but it wasn't fun. So I quit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who knows what path I could have gone on if I pursued that. But the moment it stopped being fun, I, I wasn't interested. And and now that the kids are involved, I don't want to be slogging my guts out if it's not fun. Mm. Is OCR so, fun for you still? Yeah, it's great fun. 
um, not only on the fact that, um, you know, I perceive fun as challenging myself and seeing how far my body and mind can go, um, but the community that surrounds OCR amazing, are amazing. Yeah, they're a cool Good group. people, good people. Um, and it feels like you've known them for years, mm. you know. You, you get to see the same faces at the races, um, you know, year in, year out. Yep. And it's, it's just an awesome vibe. And, and being surrounded by like-minded people, nothing beats it. And Absolutely. So, and that's what I'm trying to create here, you know, as we sit in my gym. Um, that's the little community you want to create, you know, bringing like-minded people together to not only support you while you're inside these four walls of the gym, but outside in life, mm, in the, the community. On. Absolutely. Um, and I see many of my crew go out and do some pretty cool things and um, they join up for local team events and stuff like that. So just being around like-minded people is what drives me these days because it keeps my energy up. Mm. You know, it's my, my passion. Um, it energizes me to then pass that energy on to other people in my life, Perfect. my clients, my kids, you know, my family. Um, yeah, just to be that little bit of inspiration. You spoke about the physical challenges of obstacle racing. Mm. And you also just made note of the mental ones. What's mentally challenging about it? Tell us about what that challenge is in a race. There's so many times during a race that I guess personally I thought, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through so much hurt? This hurts so bad. What am I doing? Why do I do this? You know, and you catch yourself and, you know, and then you do the visualization of crossing the finish line and that, you know, get those all emotive feelings and everything going and you soon get out of that. But the, the mental challenge and escapism I get from the everyday grind of being a mum a wife, mm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it leaves you when you're out there on the track and it's almost like having this little alter ego. Mm. All of a sudden, you, my alter ego is um, Flojo. Flojo? So, yeah. <laughs> like you remember it. the track athlete from yeah, the yeah, 80s? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you take on these personas. Well, that's I where guess. you gather strength, I'd imagine, yeah? Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and the escapism mentally is is what drives me. Um, just getting away from that that daily grind of what I do here in the gym with my crew, what I do at home, the washing, the ironing, the dishes, the mopping, the food shop. So it's- what's life like then without that escapism? Who's Janet... When she's not the OCR racer, you know, like, you know, you're going to have obviously some kind of limitation on your career, like all people do that do things, and it might come on by age, it might come on by an injury, it could be an ankle or a knee or something goes yeah. on, and you've got to give it up. So if it is your escapism, and it's that thing that gives you that time for yourself, um, you know, where else or how else can you get that in, the li- in your life without it? I don't think I'll ever stop doing events of some description whether it's on a competitive nature or just to have fun. You know, there's plenty of local events that I, I'm still part of here um, that I do with teams. 
these days, I don't want to compete I, against you in a local <laughs> event. Jeez. These days, I just like to team up with crew, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, Have just, a fun day, yeah, dirty just and, as a bit of a fun day. So, yeah. and that'll always be a part of my life, you know. Yeah. Health and fitness will always be a part of my um, my journey, and um, so whether the I would like to say that I'm still competing in in my mid forties. Mm. I I can't see why that isn't a possibility. Of course not. Absolutely. I feel each year I'm getting stronger, um, not only physically but mentally as well. And does new it change for you as an aging athlete? Do you find like the little niggles or pains or mobility concerns or anything getting in your way? Like, do you have to work harder or train harder than someone? You know, that might be 10 years younger than you or do you think it's just the process of just getting it done and age is never really a limitation? Yeah, I don't think age is any limitation at all. I think as you age, you learn to listen to your body a lot more and you understand what sort of training works for you Yes, and you have to listen to that. So you have to remove all that, um, oh, I see such and such training the house down and I should be doing that. You know, you always have that feeling that you should be training more and I'm not doing enough. <laughs> and as an aging athlete, when you understand your body, you, you know what works and what doesn't work for you. Yep. And, and you have to listen to that and you have to stay true to that. Um, and, you know, over the years I've had programs put, put to me and I've just looked at them and just gone, wow, how am I going to A, fit that into my lifestyle? But I'm really not quite sure my 37-year-old body is going to take that in comparison to a 20-year-old body, mm. you know, because... Yeah, Are you competing I, with 20-year-olds? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, definitely. How does it feel when you beat them to the line? <laughs> That's got to be good, <sighs> seriously. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Um, you could be their mother. Yeah, I could it's with amazing. some of them. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, but the... It just makes me realise how much um, of the mental game comes in. You know, as a mum, um, as a mature athlete, your mind is capable of so much. Mm. Um, your body is capable like, of like so much more. Like getting through delivering a child. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you do that, you can do anything. Um, you certainly can. And, you know, I've, I've had a big turning point in my life, um, which I draw on as... Um, you know, it gets me out of dark holes when I'm hurting in races and that sort of stuff. My first child was stillborn. And to go through that pain, not only emotionally but physically, you realise nothing can hurt that bad. Mm. So it's just temporary, yeah. you know, when, you, when you're out there. And, and that might be perceived as a negative to someone's life, but that event... It was a turning point, definitely in my life, um, and it changed changed everything. Not only um, I left my mundane, well paid finance job to enter the world of that health was, and that fitness. That was your nine to five. That was my nine to five job. You know, I I worked in a bank for nine years, mm. and it was tough to leave because I was well paid and <laughs> all the safe. rest of it. It was <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's the comfort zone. Um, and I made the plunge to, to do what I wanted to do and I haven't looked back. So and you having put, life you experience that, helps. Absolutely. And do you put that life experience down to this stillborn child you had? 
Yeah. Was that that was yeah. the turning point? That was the turning point with so much, mm. so much in my life, um, and still to this day, I, I draw strength from it. Mm. You know, it broke me, but I draw so much strength from it now, mm. definitely. Um, and you know, back then, twelve years ago, you didn't openly talk about it. There was such a taboo about stillbirth and miscarriage and and it was kind of swept under the carpet. People didn't didn't talk about it back then. So you bottled a lot up and and now it's so good that people share those stories and share the experiences. Mm. Um and and yeah, I'm quite open about that being um a big big turning point in my life. Always have been. Isn't it funny, you know, um, such a, uh, an apparent negative and all that loss and all that sadness um, that surrounds it. Um, you know, we fast forward now 12 years and you look back and you realise that that thing that was such a significant impact at the time and was wretched in so much pain and anguish was really the biggest blessing that you ever had in yep. many ways, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean? that little soul had not come into your life and done that. You'd still be possibly walking down the road at the bank in the nine to fiver. Oh, one hundred percent. And you have to learn to make the most of every opportunity that mm. presents itself. And um, I didn't necessarily do that when I was having my other three kids, but once. You know, like I said, with the opportunity of search for hurt, when that presented, I grabbed it. Fuck yeah, I'll do that. I, yeah, <laughs> I grabbed it with both hands yeah. and ran. And then everything else, that was a flow and effect. Um, you know, I grabbed it and ran. Mm. And sometimes I thought to myself, how the bloody hell am I going to make this work? How am I going to fit this into my life? Mm. How am I going to tell hubby? How am I going to tell family that I'm all of a sudden doing this? And But I just made it work. You know, you just worry about that sort of stuff later. Say, say yes just, now and work it out later yeah, on. Yeah, that's it. And yet you have to live like that. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself doing really cool things, you know, like Australian Ninja Warrior and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, that was a recent thing. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was an epic thing to be involved in. So it's not on TV yet, is it? Not yet, I don't no. watch much telly, so I'm not into it. Yeah. But, so coming out on television, Australian Ninja Warrior, I know Matt Murphy's involved there in the yeah. background somewhere. Yeah, he sure was. Tell us what your role was there. Um... So again, an application to um, to be part of the season one. They're bringing the show to Australia for the first time. I think yeah. America are into their eighth season at the moment. So a huge hit over there. And they bring it to Australia first time. And 6,000 people, I think, auditioned. You're joking. Um, wow. 600 around Australia um, got to audition face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there on there, 250 went on to the show, um, into the heats. Mm. Um, and at this point, that's about all I can tell you until mm. it goes to that's air. That's all right. That's cool. So, but the whole journey and experience of that, it was kind of pinch me. I had this feeling of who am I to be here? You know, I'm standing on the arches of about to run the Australian Ninja Warrior course Cameras everywhere, lights everywhere, crowd going crazy. And mm. it was just really surreal going, I'm just a country kid from little old Margaret River mm. in WA. 
mum of three, who am I to be standing on this huge you stage? You have doubted yourself at every turn, haven't oh, you? 100%. You know, it, <laughs> it's like, like the book, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, so I, uh, the imposter syndrome is probably the – have you heard of the imposter yeah, absolutely. syndrome? Yeah, yeah, just – Not thinking you're good enough. Yeah, I just – I've always felt like I've lived this last sort of three or four years as an imposter. Mm. Yeah, and that's probably why I struggle with the term athlete because at the end well, of the day... Well, you are one. <laughs> I'll stick <laughs> it on you. your, on your shirt you. on the way out. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, you're just, you're just a mum. Mm. Um, you're not just a mum. Well, That's what society may label yeah, you as, but yeah. uh, you know, you're just a person yeah. and you're kicking ass, which is awesome. So, and I, I love that. I will have all these cool stories to tell my kids mm. and their kids. Can I ask I what your answer is to yourself? So you're sitting there at Ninja Warrior, you know, it's all it's very, very Yankee, all lit up and, you know, people everywhere and shining lights and you ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, and like, why is this happening to me? What's your answer? How do you justify it to yourself? How do you justify any of this stuff to yourself? Um, I, internally, I just, I laugh at myself. And I, I tell myself, you know, fake it till you make it. Because sometimes <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, but then I think about the fight of, you know, yes, I've put the time into training. Yes, it might not be perfect because, hey, well, it's hard to be perfect mm. when you've got the three kids to juggle and all the rest of it. But I still put the time and I put the effort in. So, yeah, I do deserve to be there. And the fact that I grabbed the opportunity... I deserve to be there. Mm. So, it seems to me you've made a habit of saying yes. That'd I be my now. that'd be my takeaway so far from this show. You know, just a mum of three kids and you know thirty seven years of age and all the rest of it, and you've had a couple of pivotal um, moments in your life. One of them, of course, was the um, the uh, unfortunate um, stillborn first child which was tragic and thank you so much for sharing because I do realise that's a difficult thing to bear um, to a bunch of strangers uh, I've certainly not heard that before but um, you know it's it seems you have made an amazing habit of just saying yes to things and figuring it out as it happens that's exactly right you know say yes switch the brain off think about all the other stuff afterwards you mm. know because if you really want it you can make it work you can make it juggle um, and and trust that you're worth it, I guess, because it's always easy to say no, but it's not fun living in regret. Yeah. And I guess because I gave up so much in my early years of my life, you know, late teens, 20s, um, I stopped everything, and then all of a sudden you find yourself married with kids, and then you get these opportunities later in life and mm. you're going hell yes I'm I'm taking them I'm not giving that up again mm. and yeah I look back and go I wish I had taken the opportunities when I was younger but you know you, you can't live in regret but yeah to anyone out there that's not quite sure on what they should do 
just say yes mm. and run with it. Absolutely, mate. I think it's awesome. You know what? Your story has been fascinating and um, really awesome to hear. I'm sure that our listeners are going to get a real uh, a real hoot, particularly those mums out there. You know, back to the question uh, that I asked you in Coles about will you do this and you said, you know, who'd want to listen to me? Um, you know, it's it's funny. How do you feel even just in, in retrospect having, you know, gone through this process recording an hour and five with me? How, how do you feel about it now hearing your own story back and realising how far you've actually come despite the fact you're just a mum? Um, it's Yeah, it's pretty humbling. Um, I feel like I've just sat on a therapy couch with you for the last however long it's been. <laughs> so oh, it's thanks been good. for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's been a quarter of a consult, but it's good. It's really nice. It's been awesome hearing your story. I, I, and I love, you know, like a few weeks back, you know, I did Kelly Slater here in Margaret River, which was which was cool, and mm. everyone's like, oh, wow, Kelly. You know, it's amazing. And, you know, I, as much as I loved it, uh, I connected like with the man, not the athlete per se, you know, and it's I actually prefer... Um, podcast with people like you because of how real it is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that daily struggle we all feel. I've got a wife. I know how it is for her and I know how she struggles to get her needs met amongst it all. And, you know, I've got a mum and a dad and I know their struggles. And I just think it's very real. And it's refreshing when you have someone who's got the balls that can come out and go, you know what, Um, these are the things that have happened to me and this is what I did about it. But I think the really cool thing about you is you just fucking said yes. Yeah. A lot of times. A lot of times. And... And I realized that I was serving no one by playing small, you know. I, wow, <laughs> that's a quote right there. <laughs> you know, it's true though, isn't it? You it serve is. no one by staying within the confines of your own fear. It yeah. just, it, you don't serve anyone at all yeah. and you do live with regret. And I still remember my mum, uh, she said to me, you know, when, when I was very, very young, I was early, early teens and she said something about the fact that she refuses to ever live with regret. You know, didn't I didn't really know what she meant until a long time later. Do you know? But yeah. saying yes makes up for a lot of things, and I know a lot of very successful people, um, particularly in the world of business, have always been of that um, that sort of mindset that if you get an opportunity, you say yes, and then you work out how the fuck to do it in the hours that follow. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. fake it till you make it makes sense on some level, but you certainly haven't faked it because I know there's only one finish line, there's only one person crossing it at one time. And uh, I tell you what, it's been a real inspiration. Thank you so much. Um, any uh, little sort of last thoughts for our listeners or anything you'd like or are you happy to finish it off there and we'll go and have our evening with our families? Yeah, I think we're, we've said what we wanted to say. We're good, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks <laughs> and, for and having you're me. And you are an athlete. You're a star. <laughs> and we're you. so grateful you're I'll, with us. I'll start calling myself Janet Ann Smith Athlete. Now. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and hey, guys, that's probably a good one. I asked Janet before the show what she likes to be called. I've always known her as Janet Ann Smith because that's what she is on social media. And uh, she replied by telling me that the whole Janet Ann Smith part is just because she's got such a, you know, what would you say? A, uh, too many Smiths in the world. Too many Smiths. Exactly. I was going to say boring surname. I could have got myself slapped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the end came in there. But you can find uh, Janet under Janet Ann Smith through Facebook. Is that the same for Instagram and yeah. the rest of those platforms? Yeah. So she's a good chick. And I think that um, it's really nice to have people like this that we can all connect with who are just very humble humans who uh, wish for more and go out and grab it. So thanks again, Janet. And uh, everyone, we'll see you next week on the Travelling Wellness Show. Um, please feel free to uh, leave some comments on the uh, on the website. And uh, if you don't mind, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please leave me a review on iTunes. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.